الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فاتم الحج والعمره لله وقال الله تعالى في ايه اخرى فليعبدوا رب هذا البيت سبحانه بكلمه ايه كما يصفون سلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك Alhamdulillah, since many, many people have left and every day and every hour, really, and probably every second, mm-hmm. from all parts of the world, Muslim world and other Muslim settlements across the world, are leaving their homes for Baitullah, for Makkah Mukarramah, for Ihram, for the Niyat, for Ihram, to make Hajj, for the Niyat, to offer Hajj, and since our very own beloved host, Uh, Sheikh Mawana Musa Sahib, who most undoubtedly is helping us out and reach there. So at, at this time of year, those of us who unfortunately this year, like myself and Mawana Jumaid and many of our listeners, are, are unable to go this year, uh, there's a feeling that we have, uh, and a feeling we should have, mm-hmm. that all, many, many of our brethren in the Ummah are going for Hajj, and it is perfectly legitimate and perfectly reasonable. for us to try to tap into the feeling that even though we may not be in that maqal, in that place of Hajj, we may not be making the journey to Makkah Mukarramah or going to Mina, Arafah, Muzdalasah, Mina, back to Makkah Mukarramah, we will not be able to make a visitation of Madi Manawra on these special days. But even though we may not be at that place, Allah Ta'ala, if He blesses us alive to continue to live for a few more weeks, then inshallah we will be alive in the same days of Hajj that we will witness the Zamada of Hajj. And the days of Hajj themselves are full of so much blessing and barakah. The days of Hajj themselves are full of so much blessing and barakah. But even if the person is not physically present or able to do the Hajj, we should try to tap in to the barakah, the blessings and mercy that Allah found for sending down on these days. And that is why it was the Sunnah practice of Sayyidina due to the vast uh, blessing of these days of the Hijjah that he used to, I mean the coming uh, days of the Hijjah that he used to fast. All ten days, even the tenth, on those days that he was not able, uh, all first nine days, on those days that he was not able to go for Hajj. And this suggests that the feeling of empathy, the feeling of compassion, a feeling that irrespective of whether a person is a haji, person offering haj or not, that these days have a special power in blessing in them. So, uh, none of us has yet uh, begun those ten days, um, because the month of the moon has yet to be cited, and the month has yet to be declared, that our anticipation should also be building up. Just like the person who is going for haj, is working up an anticipation, maybe taking haj seminars, reading different books, anticipation of the journey, thinking of what du'as they will ask when they are standing on the plains of Arafah. We should also be thinking that in anticipation, we want to fast on the ninth day, at the very least, on the ninth day, uh, of the Hijjah in our respective homes, and what du'as that you want to ask, Allah subhanahu wa and what du'as we may want to ask any of our friends or family members or colleagues who are going for Hajj, what du'as they may be able to. As for us, it means that really all over the world, 
every Muslim should be getting, so to speak, in the spirit or in the feeling, in the broader feeling of Hajj. If you look at our deen, uh, all of us know the famous hadith, Buni al-Islam al-Khamsin, that the deen of Islam is founded on five matters, which are the five pillars, and that all of us know is the kalima, the salah, uh, the testimony of faith, the regular prayer, fasting the month of Ramadan, paying zakat, and mandatory charity, and offering hajj if a person is able. Each and every one of these five pillars has a particular function, and a particular role, and a particular purpose. Just like if you have five pillars in a building, each pillar is required in order to keep that structure erect. Before the deen of Islam, for deen of Islam, all five of these things are required and are vital. And it all begins obviously with the kalima, because the kalima is the pact of loyalty between the abd and his rub, the abd and her rub, which is what brings the person into the master-servant malik abd relationship, brings the person into the abd, rub, servant, lord relationship, brings the person into the lover-beloved relationship, and it's almost like a pact, the kalima and shahada is almost like a pact of friendship, a pact or a vow that the servant is making a promise to his Rabb and his Malik, which Allah Ta'ala beautifully has explained to us in Quran al-Kareem, that Alhamdulillah, Hidim bin Alameen, and Rahman al-Rahim, Malik, Yomadeen, and what is the pact and the promise, Iyyat and Na'udu, that Allah, you and you alone will I worship, but Iyyat and Na'een, and to you alone will I view the source of all my ultimate help. Right? And it also means that Allah SWT will not associate any partners with you, the limited tawheed, in you and your essence and your attributes. And it also means that Allah SWT, your love will dominate my heart. Love for you will be overwhelming and will dominate every single aspect of my heart and my life. And your hukum, your command, will dominate every single thing and decision and action I make in my life. And by hearing the salama, I submit to your command and to the sunnah of your beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, completely and entirely. But what happens here then, then by virtue of the the kalima, and this is a whole separate talk, maybe for another time, that Allah says in the Quran, Allah ladina amanu, that by reciting the kalima and entering Allah amanu, by reciting the testimony of faith and becoming amongst the people of Iman, Allah subhanahu says in the Quran, that he becomes our wali, Allah Ta'ala becomes a lover, the protecting friend. It means Allah Ta'ala befriends those humans who choose to decide Salama and believe in Him. Sure. That's very simple. Second, Rukan, very briefly again, is Salah. Salah is, what is it? So if Kalima was the expression of our loyalty and submission, Salah is the expression of our humility and worship. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and this is why Allah Ta'ala, Ta'ala Describe the believers as having khushu and khuru in their salah means that they should have humility and reverence and awe for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The final prophet said in Quran, and Abnah al Mu'minun, Al-Mazina hum fi salatin khashi'un, khashi'un, that they have khushu, that they have humility and awe and reverence, so that essential purpose of salah is to have that awe and reverence and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, this is a separate topic. Third, very briefly, is psalm is fasting. And the main feature of fasting is to develop the feeling of taqwa, 
Allah SWT said in Quran, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَسْتَقُونَ And this is a topic that we discussed on this program and everybody heard many talks about this recently prior to Ramadan and during the month of Ramadan. The fourth pillar is zakah. And zakah is to uh, purify. It comes from Tazkiyah as well. Related to Tazkiyah means to purify our wealth. So when a person's wealth and earning, and it means that all of their engagement and occupation and all of their attainment and achievement in this world is purified, then their heart is also purified. This is why Allah SWT described it in the Quran. Min that you should take from amongst their wealth a portion that is the fard amount of zakah as a sadaqah, as a charitable donation from them. That they will be purified, they will be cleansed and purified by means of the zakah that they give. But the fifth rukan of hajj, which is what is our main topic for tonight, the fifth pillar also has a major purpose behind it. And the major purpose of Hajj is that Hajj is a journey of love. Hajj is the expression of love. Hajj is the journey of the expression of intensely extreme and extremely intense love for the servant by Allah Taala. That this is supposed to be when the person is overwhelmed by Allah Taala, that they feel that Allah Taala, I love you so so much, I have so much love for you in my heart that I just, my heart is bursting and I need to find a way to express this love. Allah taught us the mercy was that for the believers whose hearts are bursting in love for Him. Allah taught us in Quran that indeed the believers, their hearts are bursting with love for Allah. Allah taught sent down and revealed and gifted to us this ibadah called hajj as a way of expressing this feeling of intense emotional love for Allah SWT. And that is the purpose of hajj. And the second purpose of hajj, there are two aspects to it. So that is the first, and that is feeling the emotion of uh, hajj. And then the action that comes out of that emotion is doba. And that is the beginning, and then there's the first thing that Allah SWT due to my extreme and intense love for you, I make soba of every single sin, every single negative attribute, every single negative character trait. I make soba of it all. And that is why then Allah SWT has been a journey of soba as well. And then from His side, that's from our side, a journey of expression of our love and a journey of our soba to Allah SWT. And from Allah SWT's side in these days of Hajj, He sent us on number one, His massive rahmah and maghfirah, His mercy and forgiveness. <clears throat> in response to our seeking his soba, and number two, he bestows upon those who bring him love, he bestows upon them his belovedness, what we call his mahbubiyah, his intimate nearness, what is known as his purb, and his intimate knowledge, which is known as his mahnaf. So from all of these five pillars, in that sense, Hajj, the Talima represents the beginning, and the Hajj represents the ultimate, the apex, the zenith of the achievement of the heart of the believer. Yeah. And that's why this is such a special journey that part of the Hajj can only be offered once in a lifetime. Yeah. And that's why we would definitely say to all of our friends and uh, fellow believing men and women who are going to Hajj for the first time in their life, that they're offering their father's Hajj 
they should offer with great care and they should learn all of the sunnahs, all of the adab and try to offer it with all of the sunnahs, all of the adab, the most consciousness, uh, the most feeling that they can, the most feeling that they can. And uh, because, you know, you never get a second chance at a start of Hajj. Mm-hmm. If you ever, if Allah manages to take any one of us again, it will be nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the very unique thing about Hajj. If we mess up Fajr or we don't pray the show properly today, if we live another day, we will get another chance to do another Salah of the Fajr. We will get another chance to offer another Salah of the Isha. Mm-hmm. If we mess up a Salah of fast and Ramadan, you know, by being lax or being by neglectful or sinful thoughts, sinful feelings, we would have another chance the next day in the month of Ramadan. Or if we live long enough, we would have another chance the next year in Ramadan. If we don't pay our zakat in the most noble of manner, if we get the opportunity to earn again, we could have another chance of paying our zakat. But Hajj, part of Hajj, part of Hajj is a once-in-a-lifetime journey. Every Hajj after that is nothing. You can never, ever repeat the Sard Ibadah. So I think especially, especially for those of the believing men and women who have this golden opportunity that they are going to make their Sard of Hajj, they should take great, great special care in offering this Hajj in the most noble, the most excellent way and especially to feel these feelings of Soma and to feel those feelings of love so that they can come back by getting the maximum rahmah of mercy and forgiveness from Allah SWT and they can come back getting the maximum intimate nearness and intimate knowledge and closeness to Allah SWT. And you should also reflect upon those people who are never able to go for Hajj and many, many stories in Islamic history about how many men and women, how they yearn to go for Hajj, or they would desire to go for Hajj deeply. And you would notice in many of the Musallas, Janamas, or many of, if you will, maybe, I mean, not the best word to use, but souvenirs or paraphernalia or items that people used to bring back from Hajj traditionally would have a small sketch, you know, of sometimes a small sketch of Baytullah, sometimes a small sketch of Hazir Aswad, or of Masjid al-Nimra, or of Masjid al-Nabui. Uh, and although now we live in this day and age where there's, you know, so many photographs and digital imagery and digital videos, but in the early days, in the early days, uh, you know, people used to have these small depicted images on souvenirs. And I remember Hazrati uh, once told us a story about his own mother, and his mother... And Hazrati was at a very young, tender age. And his mother, very deeply, she was a great Abida, uh, Shahila, Zakira, Sabira, a great worshipful servant of Allah SWT. And it was her heart, heart's desire that she could go for Han, that she could see Kaaba, that she could make Dua, that she could do Sa'i, that she could present herself at Arafah, that she could go to Medina Manorah. And this was as for many pious men and women in the world, who may not yet have the means, it's they're feeling this time of year, especially that their heart's yearning. So what had happened once was that once some woman from uh Hazrati's neighborhood, our Sheikh's neighborhood, came back and brought back a gift. And this gift was a tasbih. And in this tasbih, you know, in the sort of the, uh, the top part of the tasbih, which is almost like the handle, they call it the mihrab of the tasbih, 
that somebody, there was a small little image of the Kaaba. And it was such that if you looked at it through the light, you know, almost like a negative, like a film negative, if you looked at it in the light, you could see the Kaaba. And whoever used to get this type of such beat from a, a person who returned from Hajj would gaze at it. Ghazi used to mention that my mother used to sit there and she used to gaze at this Tasbih for a long period of time and then she would cry and then she would make dua to Allah and she would just keep making dua to Allah and Ya Allah, grant me the sa'ada, the honor, the izzah, the grace of visiting your house and seeing your home. And Ghazi said that he grew up and he saw his mother like that and he grew up and he always from childhood then also had a deep, strong inclination in his heart to see the house of Allah subhanahu wa And you know, this is the story of one woman, of one mother, of one waliya, and certainly there must be hundreds of thousands and millions of male and female believers, even right now, who have this burning desire in their heart. We wish that you would grant us stability. And especially, again, imagine in that age where there was no, you know, pictures and video and YouTube and all of that. You know, how much they must have yearned who have seen the Kaaba. And so if any one of us has gone, and Allah Ta'ala may bless many of our listeners and us, if we have gone for Umrah and we have gone for Hajj, we should realize and acknowledge what an immense karam and a puzzle and generous grace that Allah Ta'ala bestowed upon us that He allowed us to even look at this Kaaba even once in our lives. No matter how much we could thank Allah Ta'ala for this, we could fall and spend our whole life in Sajda for this, it would not be enough to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for uh, even giving us one gaze of his karma. And this is really what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants in this heart, is that a person should have that gaze, have an expression of love, and that a person should become the true lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also a person should become the true slave and servant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you look at that, that's very much a feature. If you look at it when how Allah subhanahu wa wants these believers to who are so fortunate to go, how Allah Ta'ala asks the people who are coming for Hajj to come for Hajj. And he says that he says, he says, you know, if you want to come to my house, okay, then you can come, but you must come like a slave. You must come like a servant. So the first thing you should do is you should wear ihram. And for the men, for the men, what does it mean? That you should all have a similar outward state. That you should remove this class difference and different quality of clothing and disparity of clothing and know that you should come as one. You should come stripped down to your bare humanity and you should lose any feeling of decoration and adornment and zenith in your clothing. But the clothing should be the most spartan, the most basic, should have the most humble, simple purpose and that purpose is only and only to remember, uh, only and only to clothe yourself. And there is no other purpose than that clothing. And then you should forget all of the rest of your adornment. You should forget wearing any type of perfume or fragrance. You should forget about trimming your hair or cutting your nails, right? And the person will say, my hair will go long. And they'll say, you can't cut it. My nails will go long. You can't cut it. Our bodies will smell of such. You can't wear per- use perfume soap or wear perfume. Why? Because I'm so wanted. You should come to me as a complete slave and servant. That you have wiped your heart from every single thing other than your desire to make soba, your desire to please me, your feeling of loving me, and your wish to submit to me. You should erase every single other aspect of your being. 
this is an outward form. And sometimes, you know, women ask the question that, you know, men have the clothing of Ahram and we don't have any particular clothing. No. We should realize it's the state of Ahram. Just things I said for a man are true for a woman also. She can also not cut her hair. She can also not cut her nails. She can also not wear uh, a used uh, fragrance soap or perfume. She's equally meant. But for a woman, you see clothing. Clothing was not in mundane, you see, one teaching of Islam is so strong in being, which is haya, modesty, chastity. So for a woman, even if she is so lost in the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that maybe she could have emotionally been like a man and just worn two loose pieces of clothing, two, uh, two pieces of cloth draped over her. But no, part of her being lost in the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that she retains her haya, and she retains her modesty and chastity, and she remains completely fully clothed as befits the status of a Muslim woman. Yeah. Right? And it's also very important to know that, that, uh, love for Allah does not anyway mean, and can never ever reach some level or some state of ecstasy, whereas the person is beyond the dictates of Sharia. Prayer, so then this is how a person dresses. Second, Allah Ta'ala says, and when you come to me, you're going to come to me as an intoxicated lover and throughout the journey, even if you may be thousands of miles away already because you have made media, you have made intention that you are journeying towards me and my house, Allah Ta'ala saying, so you will say, Labayk, Allahumma Labayk. Now if you think about it literally, Labayk means Allah Ta'ala, I'm here, I'm present, I'm here and I'm present. It's not physical because the person is saying this even thousands of miles before they reach Kaaba. What they're saying is, Allah Santa, I'm present for you. I'm here, my Lord, for your hukam, for your call that you've invited me to Hajj, starting the second of Shawal, and I'm here, I'm ready to answer that Hajj became fard upon me. Or, that even if I'm doing a Nafal Hajj, and you said in Quran, Atimul Hajj wa Ummatullah, I say, Ya Allah, Lubayk, Allahumma Lubayk. Allah Ta'ala, I'm here, I'm present. The bake, la sharika laka the bake. Allah, I'm here, and in this call of mine, that I'm presenting myself, I'm here, la sharika laka, there's no partner that I can associate with you. I'm here only and only for you. I have no other motive on going for Hajj, no other purpose on going for Hajj. I'm here only and only for you, and this is how my state should be, and this is the dictate uh, the dictates of my love and servanthood for you, that my whole life I should only and only hearken to your call, listen to your command. I should only, only be at your beckon. I should follow every single thing that you wish me to do. <coughs> and ultimately, I should only and only feel love for you. This is what the person is saying. And then, because the person does not want to make it sound as if it is uh, in any way, their accomplishment or their achievement or somehow that they are the lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or they have reached this love, so they say, inna alhamda, just like in Quran, and we start with alhamdulillah, just like in salah, we start with alhamdulillah. So here, after the person made that profession of being love, a profession of love and being present to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to hearken to his every command, what does he say? He has to say, Inna alhamda wa nahmadunaka wal mulk. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all praise, all grace, all excellence is only and only for you. Wal mulk 
and all mastery, all poverty, all dominion is only, only for you. I am nothing. I am nothing. And then again, the person says, La Sharika Lakun. Again, they say, Nanakanta, there is no, just like there is no partner, nobody who shares with you for my love, my submission, my servanthood, casting me aside, you have your own maqam. You have your own status other than being my beloved, other than being my ma'bud. You have your own, you are malikul mulk, you are the master of all domains, you are the sovereign king, and la sharika lakun, nobody shares with you in that in any sense, in any way whatsoever. So what does it mean? It means the person is saying, oh, I'm breaking all the idols. Was it the idols of stone outside? Was it there were idols of thoughts in my own mind? Was it there were idols of unlawful false feelings or desires in my own heart? Allah says, I'm breaking all of that. I'm breaking all the false loves, and I've come only and only for you. This is the feeling that a person has just when they make niyat of ihram at their own home and they start saying labayk. Imagine at the beginning of this journey, it's such an overwhelming feeling of love and submission and servanthood. Then imagine how much Allah Ta'ala bestow upon a person during the course of this journey and upon the completion of the journey. So this is an incredible ultimate journey of love and submission to Allah Subhanahu And there may be some people who make the journey with their family, and there are also some who make the journey alone. And even when they travel with family, Allah Subhanahu has made another ruling of ihram, is that you cannot even express any love to your family member, who yourself, who is inside your nikah, who is lawfully wedded, whom in all other cases Allah Subhanahu wants you to love, wants you to show your love. In all other cases, Allah Ta'ala has made love for the spouse part of love for him in the sense of his love for his sake and love for his name. In all of the situations, Allah Ta'ala smiles upon the expressions of love. You can mention a hadith that when the spouse's husband and wife smile upon one another, Allah Ta'ala smiles upon them. But in this particular case, when the person is in ihram, when the person is in ihram, and here Allah Ta'ala is saying is now you cannot even have the slightest expression of love for your own spouse. So whether you may have come alone on the journey, that's a separate thing. But if your spouse is along with you, then you cannot even have the slightest of expression of love for him. Really, this is what the Prophet written. But you, you cannot, it's against ihram, to even smile, even smile. And I notice our own Hazrati, when he is in a state of ihram, he does not allow any of the students to do any khidmat of him in terms of pressing his feet or pressing his legs because he doesn't want them. He says that, no, I'm in a state of ahram, I'm in a state of complete and utter and absolute servitude and servitude to Allah Taala. So here Allah Taala, we notice our own shaykh, he does not even allow any of the marids to do any type of khidmat because he feels that I'm a servant and slave of Allah Taala. And that is always the feeling. But just like it is elevated that the husband is always the servant and slave of Allah, but otherwise he is allowed to take the expression of love from the wife, but in the state of ihram, he is not allowed. It's a higher level that Allah is calling a person to, which is not the norm, but which is a special case. And just like the husband that is not allowed to take the affection or fondness or khidmat of the wife, just like that, the shaykh, we have seen that the souls do not take any type of uh, khidmat like that from their students. And since I was 
even began this topic, I was actually thinking, you know, Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed, you know, after that, such a soft and touching childhood memory that Hazrati mentioned of his mother. Now, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, by the grace and karam and fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is what Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, this is the fuzzle of Allah, that he bestows it on whomsoever he will. And he has blessed Hazrat like many other ulama and mashayikh to go for hajj repeatedly every year, uh, perhaps even indeed as a means of hidayah. So all of those people who are fortunate enough to either make the journey of hajj in his company and along with him, or who may travel from other parts of the world but are able to at least meet him and spend some time in his company. And indeed, Hajj is another feature of it. It's an, a gathering of all the mu'mineen and mu'minat and the true, truest gathering of the ummah uh, and all over the world. But you know, when I was thinking of many things uh, now of uh, our Sheikh when he goes on Hajj, on Umrah, and you know, one amazing thing is that I've noticed with other people, uh, and I'm not criticizing anybody in particular, but I've noticed that other people who go, often they themselves say, sometimes even they themselves will say that, you know, I go so often, uh, you know, I don't feel as much anymore, or I feel that I'm a bit immune, or I don't, then they ask, and they're confused, and they don't know, should I keep going, or should I not go, or should we get? But indeed, and that's a separate discussion, but I've seen our own chefs, you know, it's really, you know, like Allah SWT says to Rahman about himself, that every single day he manifests himself in a new beauty, in a new splendor towards his believers. And what we find is that I've, at least in every journey of Umrah and Hajj, not so many, but whatever I've been blessed by Allah SWT to go on, I've seen with our Shaykh that every time he would go, every du'a he would make, every du'a he would make, it would seem as if it was a new love for Allah SWT as if it was the very first tawaf he was making after years of yearning and longing, whereas it was maybe even just the second tawaf of that same day. And really, you know, I mean, we're just humbled. Our imagination is even humbled to imagine what type of anwarat and barakat and tizat and tajaliyat, what type of lights and spiritual blessings Allah Santa sends on the awliyaullah who go on hajj, on the true siddiqeen and sadiqeen who go on hajj, with that true spirit of submission and servitude and love for Allah Taala, and we can only hope that this year that all of the Muslims who are going for Hajj can go in the truest of spirit and that Allah Taala can accept it from them in the best of ways. Uh, yeah. So this was a few things about Ihram, Ihram. And then the second thing is about the Haram itself. So the Haram means Makkah Mukarramah means Baytullah uh, means the Saba, and the Haram is a very special, special place. Uh, and Allah SWT has mentioned the specialness of uh, this place in Quran. Innama umintu an a'buda zambaha zihin balada, abaladatun ladhi hazamaha, that indeed that I have been commanded that I should worship my Rabb, the rub of this city, this city which Allah SWT has made sacred and revered and special. And in fact, even one of these months, the month of Zulhijjah, is one of known as one of the Anbat al-Hurum, one of the four secret months. So the very month is sacred and special. So what we were having, and this is what I was mentioned earlier, that both is the Ma'an and the Makan, 
both the time frame and also the place have honor and sanctity. And that is why then that person who goes for Hajj and puts himself in that place and in that time, Allah Ta'ala makes the person who makes Hajj honored as well. But they are also enter the state of Ihram and Allah Ta'ala joins these three hurmas, if you will, the hurma of the state of Ihram, the hurma sanctity and inviolability of the state of Ihram, the hurma of the place of Makkah Mukarramah and Minam and all of the places, the hurma of the month of Zulhijjah, and what does Allah Subhanahu Wa do? Then Allah Subhanahu Wa showers His mercy on such a person, and if a person makes a hajjim makbul, hajjim mabrur, then Allah Subhanahu Wa makes jahannam haram on such a person. Allah Subhanahu Wa makes the hellfire haram on that person whose soma and love is accepted by Allah Subhanahu Wa on that hajj. Mm-hmm. This may be something we may talk about next week, uh, the notion about uh, of hajjim makbul and hajjim mabrur. How can you know, uh, how can a person know that, uh, their hajj is accepted? But going back to Haram to Baytullah, right? And when Allah told us in Quran, this is a way that Allah Ta'ala has chosen to describe Himself. That I am Rabbul Adani. That is one way Allah Ta'ala described Himself in Quran. That I am Rabb of every single thing in the universe and all of the universes and all of the world. But I'm also Rabbah Hazal Bayt. And I'm also Rabb of this particular house in home of Baytullah. So this is what we call the center. It is the Mahwar, uh, the Markel, the center, uh, on which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent the focal point of his Bidiliyat and Amarat. This is what I'm trying to talk about. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends all that all the Zilliyat and Anwarat, all of the divine graces and emanations, emanations and benevolences and beneficences that Allah Ta'ala sends down on this earth, He sends them down onto the Kaaba. He sends them down onto the Kaaba. And actually that's why when our Mishayik said that when we're doing Tawaf, it is not the physical self that is doing Tawaf of the physical structure but rather it is a person's spiritual qalb that is doing tawaf of those anwarat from Allah Taala. It is a spiritual heart that is rotating around and walking counterclockwise around the spiritual blessings that Allah Taala sent down on the Kaaba. And indeed, you know, a person really feels that the Kaaba, uh, you know, it has a magnetism and attraction. And that attraction is actually the attraction of the tajilliyat of Allah Taala. It's like the magnet for the spiritual heart. And that for those people whose spiritual hearts are pure, like Hazrat's noble mother, uh, may Allah have mercy on her, and other pious men and women in the world, they feel that magnetic attraction from thousands of miles away. And then certainly that person who comes in the state of Ihram, who arrives at Makkah Mukarramah, who is saying the Bayk, Allahumma the Bayk, if you feel such a strong force, such a strong gravitational force, and that is, you know, one of the you know, part of the science of this world, part of the laws of motion of God's made that when there's a gravitational force, then it creates an orbit, and the orbit is due to gravitation, gravity. The reason the moon orbits around the Earth is due to gravity, right? And so this person feels a gravitational attraction, if you will, they're felt towards the tijaliyas that are coming on the Kaaba, they want to orbit around, they want to make the of it. They want to keep looking at it over and over again. They have a 
unquenchable thirst, the insatiable desire just to keep gazing and gazing and gazing at the Kaaba, almost like they're trying to drink it with their eyes, and they can never get enough of that drink. They can never get enough of that drink. So this is the base of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an incredible gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to this ummah, you know, uh, that Allah ta'ala certainly gives it to Sayyidina Adam al-Islam, Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam, but what we can then hate on ummah, uh, in terms of the entire prophetic community, it's only ummah and Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that has been gifted with Kaaba as an ummah, and that our third ibadah, our third hajj, is on it, right? And there's a sort of sense of what we call asliya, or you know, she would call this like asliya, it's the asal, it's the primordial, it's the real, real capital R, real, real feeling when a person is, uh, at the Kaaba. And, you know, I, I think we've run out of time for tonight, but I just wanted to emphasize this incredible gift that Allah SWT has given to us, mm-hmm. and that even if we may not be able to physically be there, but the Anwarat and the Jaliyat that Allah Taala sends down onto the Kaaba, they are then sent forth onward, the Surah Al-Mashayikh but they are then disseminated onward from there into the hearts of all the believers, and therefore wherever we are, we should have a love for that Kaaba, and we should have a love for the love of that Kaaba, and we should try to feel, especially those of us who are not going for God, we should feel some attraction for that, uh, and that's why I'm and Prince Mahali and Shabandi and Majadi even have a Marakaba, none of the Marakaba, Hakikat the Kaaba, that people need to think and reflect about the reality of the Kaaba and the realm of that Kaaba. So, we end the first part of the talk tonight with this dua, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if we're not able to go for Hajj, may He enable us to have that same feeling of love, that same overwhelming, burning feeling of love, mm-hmm. the acceptance makes as true a Makra and Toba here, in our places as we may have made if we went to Arafah and may he bestow upon us the same rahmah and makhara that he may have bestowed upon us if we were to present ourselves to Arafah and may he bestow upon us the same goodness and marafa and same intimate nearness and intimate knowledge if we were to be engaging upon the Kaaba ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وتصلنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين. يا الله بالكريم يا فتح